0: Welcome to True Story, the public relations podcast, a space where we get a peek behind the scenes of brands and businesses that have a real story to tell. Because in today's world, we are done with perfect and fake. We want to support brands that aren't afraid to show their true colors. I'm your host, Whitney Lee, the founder of True Story PR, an agency focused on helping businesses show up authentically through their social media, PR, and more. We pride ourselves on always keeping it real. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you are pumped for today's episode because you guys have been asking this over and over again i've gotten a lot of dms um, and questions about ai and so that's what today's entire episode is i'm a huge believer in like you put something out in the universe and it comes to you well literally steve came to me so uh, i want to introduce you guys to the guest today on our show is steve marsenek he is the gm of intelligent relations and we're going to talk all about ai hey steve welcome to the show
1: Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. And yeah, I'm looking forward to geeking out about AI and how it's being used in the PR industry and hopefully give some actionable uh, recommendations
0: as well. Totally. And it, it's honestly changing the game. And I love talking about this um, with like other PR friends and things like that. But first off, let's let's give everybody a little backstory about you. Tell us about yourself and maybe a little about Intelligent Relations. Yeah, totally. So uh, I am. I've been an entrepreneur
1: uh, for as long as I can remember. I was the kid on the corner selling lemonade uh, near my parents' house when I was thirteen. I started my first serious uh, enterprise. I was basically a, a magician and balloon artist at kids' birthday parties, and so I just, I've, for me, just starting things, building things was always in my blood. And I just kind of latched onto the marketing side of things then than the communication side of things because it felt like a way to Get the message out about what I was doing and to connect with people, and so um, was in-house for a while. Started my own uh, marketing and then PR firm, and then about three years ago, uh, a friend and I were sitting down and looking at uh, this generative AI thing uh, that seemed to be coming. It was uh, he was an early adopter of like blockchain technology and crypto, and uh, did a lot in that space. And we're like, we think this like this generative AI thing. It's not good yet right now in 20. 2020, but there's something here. And with my background in in public relations and in communications, it seemed like a really, really good use case. Um, I can certainly elaborate on that, but basically AI needs good data uh, to be trained. And the great thing about our industry is that all the data is there. Like, what does a journalist care about? Well, they've probably written a bunch of articles that would show you what they care about. And press releases are, you know, there's you know thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, like a lot of data out there as well. So we set off with a pretty broad question of uh, how can you use AI to enhance uh, the PR industry? And that uh, was kind of our framing question for uh, starting Intelligent Relations. So now three years later, uh, we built a platform, it's Preston, uh, it streamlines some some workflows, and I can go into that as well. But uh, yeah, that's uh, we have both a platform and a, a managed service that we provide for for clients.
0: Well, I love that you're so ahead of the game because three years ago I was not thinking about AI. Um, you know, I was knee deep in PR work, but I, I mean, obviously, this is becoming a huge thing, and I think the most. I guess the first thing that people say to me all the time about it is like, aren't you afraid that this is going to like, you're going to lose your job, your agency's not going to be useful anymore, like AI is going to replace your agency. So what do you say to that?
1: No, definitely shaking my head there, um, because uh, one firm believer that humans, uh, people are, are necessary to do the heavy lifting, to do the strategic work, to do the stuff that clients actually care about. So... You know, you AI can make a great assistant, a great enhancer. Like it can help to streamline certain things, to do certain things quicker. It can help to uh, help teammates of yours do things that you know they do on a regular basis more effectively. But really, the opportunity here is for the folks who want to adopt new technology and you know get a competitive advantage, stay ahead of the curve, and just it's you know the the way I think about it is that AI will be baked into just about everything we do over the next couple of years. So any SaaS platform right now uh, comes with customer service, and we're gonna mm-hmm. see the same thing with you know, generative text. There will be some kind of a light touch of generative text in just about any platform. And on the content side, like you know almost every piece of content will have some touch of AI in the future, whether that's even now, like you're writing an email and it predicts the next word. That's mm-hmm. AI, and so is it just predicting the next word? Are you using to help you know using it to help you write a social media post, a press release, whatever? It's it'll be baked in, so it's just going to be part of our workflows. And uh, I I think that there's no reason to be intimidated for for most folks who are offering strategic value, consultative value, relationship value. All of that is is at the heart of what we do, and I I don't think there's much reason to be concerned about that.
0: Same. So when people say that to me, I I say absolutely not. Like, AI can't build a relationship with you. I mean, a lot. Okay, and uh, for people who listen to the podcast often, they know this, but our agency doesn't just do PR, like pitching for earned media. Gosh, we do a lot of email funnels. We do social, you know, and, and things of that nature. but um, AI can't build a relationship for you, you know, there's yeah. just, I mean, it's, it's a robot basically. So, uh, I mean, yes, for the writing purposes, I think it's valuable. Um, but that kind of leads me to my next thing is like a lot of people see it as, um, almost like dishonest if people are using it to create content. Yeah.
1: So I think that there's, there's a couple a couple ways to look at this. First of all, what we're talking about here is mostly uh, generative text. We're talking about what's known as like large language models, um, and so there's a couple of big ones out there. There's ChatGPT, which is built by OpenAI. Um, there's Bard by Google. Um, there's you know Bing. Microsoft has their own version, and all of these things basically. The way these models work fundamentally is that they essentially scraped the internet. They t- took in a ton of data, um, text data. And they built these predictive models. So it's like, you know, the boy threw the something, the next step would be, you know, you could predict that there's a certain likely number of words that would come after that. It might be ball, it might be football. You know, if you're going more, you know, less probable, it might be Frisbee, something like that. And so all this technology is basically looking at it's basically making predictions about what's that next word, which is why the example of auto completing an email, but it's doing that on a larger scale. So it's making like it's able to kind of layer that over and over and over again so it could predict a social media post based on inputs and, and likelihoods. So fundamentally it's not creative in that sense. It's just helping to to create more content that came from, uh, from, from likelihood. Models, and in terms of it being used to, you know, it, whether its use is going to be uh, um, dishonest, uh, I think that there's there's probably going to continue to emerge a culture around using AI and what is acceptable use and what's not acceptable use. One mm-hmm. of the things that's to me is most fascinating is that. It's an arms race. As soon as you create a new technology, you have people on the other side who are trying to detect the use of that technology. So you have like watermarks on videos and then they have people trying to break the watermarks. There's already a whole industry of detecting artificial intelligence-written content. So there's tools like Whitney.ai, AI, uh, which can detect with tremendous. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, oh I'm my slip. Uh, Winston, Winston, uh, Freudian Slipper. Oh okay, I was
0: like, really? It's called Winston AI. How have I not heard of this? <laughs>
1: Winston AI. My apologies. Yeah. So there's a whole tool, Winston AI, uh, and a whole bunch of others that are uh, able to detect AI content. And so I think that anyone who's considering using this should be prepared that it will be transparent. It will be soon Mm -hmm. known where AI is used and where it's not. And so how we adapt as people to knowing that some of the stuff we're consuming has AI built into it is yet to be seen. Like we have nutrition labels on our food. To me, that's an apt comparison. Like people, sometimes some people care, some people don't. If it tastes good, if it's good to consume, they're happy. Other people want the authentic thing that's, you know, all natural, organic, you know, made by hand. Mm-hmm. And so there's, uh, we, we don't know yet how much average readers or consumers will care. But I think it's, it's worth knowing that it, it will be an open secret uh, when your content is AI created in the future.
0: Interesting. Yeah. And I, I think that would really only like fall for people that are like writers and things of that nature. But I I feel like sometimes I think way too small when it comes to AI, like what you were saying earlier, like I'm literally just blipping on the radar of like generative text, you know? I feel like there's so much more to AI than literally just, you know, people think AI and they think chat, chat GPT, you know, like write me a 500 word essay that talks about, you know, the battle of 1912, you know, like students using it, things like that. But there's gotta be far more to AI than just generative text right
1: yeah so i think the most interesting technology for for most folks in pr is is going to be the generative text that's where we've seen uh you know almost a quantum leap forward um but there's also i mean on on our side uh there's algorithmic matching so for example if you upload a pitch we have a, a database of 200,000 plus journalists and 35 million articles, and we're analyzing not only what a journalist uh, writes about, but what they respond to. And you know this person seems to like announcements or they do reviews or they accept bylines or they usually reply reply with some kind of sponsored content um, offer. So like and then being able to match you know one piece of content to another based on, you know not just they cover tech. this is about tech. We know as humans, experts, there's nuance there. And so it can do better matching as as an example. That's that's one thing. Um, and then you get into all the other areas. I mean, we have clients who are in the AI space that are, you know, doing grip coefficients on tires between roads and understanding how to map that. So, I mean, there's a wide range of, of applications of different kinds of AI, um, but I think the stuff that most folks are focused on and where for good reason is is this generative text side and i can i'm happy to share like there's outside of the platform like there's a number of just use cases that we've used on the services side that could be uh, you know of interest if that's uh worth going into
0: yeah i'm all ears like I, i'm such an examples person and i think that's why a lot of people listen to this podcast is like you know we talk a lot in 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 marketing, PR, social media, we talk so much about theory, but sometimes it's really hard to relate to theory. But when Uh people hear specific examples, then they're like, boom, okay, got it, you know.
1: Totally. So, I mean, on the simplest level uh – Coming up with alternative phrasings for things is really great. So I'll use Chat. ChatGPT is my favorite, and I will mm-hmm. use that. You know, we redid we all the text on our website, and I was trying to come up with like a bunch of different headings for one of the areas. So I wrote two or three of my examples into ChatGPT. I was like, can you come up with like 10 to 15 different ways to say something like this? And it will spit out a bunch of examples. Again, human sets the standards, so you choose. But like when you're hitting a you know, a writer's block, it's great at that. Same thing for like subject lines for emails or even, you know, rephrasings of things. You're just trying to figure out like what's a better, what's a smarter way to say this? Can I say this in a more, you know, uh, uh, tech savvy way? Um, asking it to do rephrasings, for us, that's, uh, that's a good jumping off point. Um, from there, it gets a lot more interesting. You can do. You know, short form content creation from whether it's chat, GPT, or Bing or Bard, it gets decent. The longer the content is, the more likely it's going to be to get repetitive or go off the rails. So writing a short social media post, ad copy, something like that, it'll generally do a pretty good job. Um, so we've used it to draft social media posts, but then always have a human in the loop to, to edit it um, all the way up through you know, pitch drafting um, if you give it some examples it can sometimes write a decent pitch we've built press release generators and they do a decent job but again it's it's getting you to a draft point where you have someone punching it up for you that's yeah that's pretty decent as well
0: Yeah, I have a friend that uh, all she does is pitching for Earn media for um, entertainment, people in the entertainment industry. And she said it actually kind of crushes it. She'll say, you know, like write a pitch. I think she's using chat GPT or maybe Bard. I haven't touched Bard yet. Um, They were trying to make me jump through too many hoops to sign in. And I'm (laughs) like, oops. and back to chat GPT. Um, But she uses, you know, she would say like write a pitch um, for, um, you know, writer that, um, writes on, you know, African-American females in the rap industry. Um, you know, the, we're pitching a person that does this, this, and this boom. And she was like, actually it, it does a pretty legit job.
1: Yeah. So I think there's, it's really good at nailing the language, um, because it's trained on, you know, assume the internet, it has a lot of kind of like knowledge sort of baked in, uh, to the platform. Mm-hmm. There's a couple things that, would probably be pain points if you're trying to use it like an out-of-the-box solution to write pitches. Uh, the first is just be aware that um, you know ChatGPT has a knowledge cutoff of September uh, 2021, and the out-of-the-box solution isn't connected to the internet, so it you know if it has written a lot of pitches untrained or unprompted, it'll say, you know, you know, since the pandemic started something, 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 and that's not really a hook that, that appeals Mm -hmm. to the media these days. So there, there's that. The other thing is that, um, it often takes a lot of coaching back and forth for it to learn what you care about. So like, it won't know your client, it won't know your messaging, it won't know your CEO, but if you don't mind being like, Hey, here's, you know, prompting it, you know, so here's the company, here's the CEO, here's the idea. Can you write an email? It can, it can write something that's human enough, add the links, add, you know, a statistic or two. And yeah, I mean, it it can, it can write a decent email. Um, I think it's, it, you know, it may be worth you know, some folks are in a position to invest in their own tech and like try training their own models and like have it mm-hmm. you know, to do your own workflows. They do have APIs, and like, you know, with a couple of decent engineers, you could probably custom train it. But otherwise, you're going to have your team spending a lot of time going back and forth with it, saying that's not quite right. Do you go back? Mm-hmm. And it's, it becomes at some point, it does become easier, you, you know, just to write it yourself if you're using one of those off the shelf solutions.
0: Interesting. Yeah. We use a software, um, for like our media database and and outreach, and they're starting to add AI. I haven't even like really tapped into it yet. Um, because we more use it to find contacts through that, that source, but I can see a lot of different platforms at first. I felt like it was really taboo. And now a lot of platforms are like using it as a selling point of like, we integrate with AI.
1: It makes sense. And it, is part of why I think it's just going to come standard in some sense in most technology in the future. If you're not adding it to what you're doing, even as an agency, you know, we're having a lot of conversations where part of the selling point is that we're, you know, we're ahead of the curve on, you know, adoption of artificial intelligence. Folks are expecting... You know, the, they want the, the latest thing. And it's sometimes the the CEO saying, like, get me one of those. I heard about it. It sounds great. I would like that. So go find me a team that does this, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Is there any way that you, like, think of that's, like, a bad form of, like, a bad usage of AI? Totally. So
1: I think that um, it can be helpful in broad research and ideation and that would be relevant so for example like i've done plenty of cycles around you know especially asking bard or bing which are connected to the internet and able to get more recent information you can ask like we had a client in the vending machine industry Uh, that's that's a niche thing and we asked like what are some trends emerging trends that are affecting the vending machine industry it gave some good ideas that helped to accelerate the curve. You know, there's like cashless payments and there's, you know, more diverse options. Okay, like I could have researched that, but broad research where the stakes are low, kind of cool. Um, it can also help with things like ideation, you know, like what are, uh, again, like trends, topics, like for a company that does data privacy, what are, you know, what are five applications of removing personal information from the internet? And it would come back and say, well, that would limit the risk of online harassment, or doxing, or you know scams and fraud. So it can do broad level ideation, and in a way that uh, can enhance the research process, etc. Where you get in trouble is if you think it's uh, factually accurate, and we're seeing that all over the place. 100% should not use this for research. There was a lawyer, I think it was in New York City, just. You know, a couple of weeks ago, who used this to prepare for his cases, and there's, you know, they call the, they call it hallucinations, but it's really just making stuff up, like it yeah. made up cases. He, so he was in the courtroom citing um, cases that never happened, quoting people who never said things, and he's in a heap of trouble for that. And as PR pros. Yeah, that would be a really bad thing if you're trusting this for research and pitching information that's factually inaccurate. That would be a reputation killer. So, so long as it's ideas and concepts and you have a human in the loop who's like overseeing and putting their name to it, like, yes, this is good. Okay, like you just don't take everything you read on the internet to be true. It's just like the same common sense should apply here, but everyone's like, let the buyer beware, let the user beware. This stuff hallucinates. It makes stuff up
0: and you got to be careful. Oh, that's so interesting. That's actually terrifying. Yeah. You know, I asked people rely on that.
1: It's it's a new technology that people don't understand yet. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. that once people it's. When my father first got on the internet, there was a learning curve to understand that you can't believe everything you read on the internet. People just haven't yeah. embodied the learning that jet, that AI hallucinates. And once they do, we'll start to get like, okay, it's good at this. But like, uh, I asked it, you know, as a, as a test a little while ago, I asked one of them, you know, especially when you prompt it with something that is you ask it for four things, it will give you four things. So I asked one of them, what are the four branches of government, knowing there's you know officially three, and it said uh, like the uh, executive, uh, judicial, um, and then it made up the independent branch of government and legislative. So it made up a fourth branch of government, which, okay, technically some folks say that that's like a, you know, it's the pseudo fourth branch, but like, it's like, because it's good at following directions. The point being, if you ask it to do something, it'll probably do it. I asked it to make lists of top publications in a specific industry, and some of them were real. And then you go into the weeds, and it's like, that doesn't exist. I remember (laughs) I was just, super excited when I went with my wife to Argentina and I was looking for, um, I I wanted to find a place to get a great bagel. And I asked for a place to get a great bagel in Argentina and it made up a bunch of, uh, restaurants that sounded good and even gave descriptions of them. And then you go to Google maps and they don't exist. So like, you know, that same query run now, several months later has improved. Um, but like the machines are still learning as well. And there's a high risk that it'll invent something that you gotta be careful to check.
0: For sure. And I think one of the most interesting things you said that I didn't know was that they can't go back. What was it before September, 2021? They have no knowledge beyond that. So it,
1: um, there's, there's a, a race between the big tech companies to build the best. Um, there's advantages and disadvantages to each chat, GPT, open AI, that's the same company. Um, ChatGPT is the product of OpenAI. That one has a cutoff as of September, 2021. Um, Google's BARD and Bing are both connected to the internet. And so they will will give you more relevant and recent information. They will also cite their sources better. So they'll give you a link to what they're pulling the information from. But if I, like, I asked, I ask on a regular basis, like, what are today's top stories in cybersecurity? It won't give me today's. It'll give me stuff that's relevant over the last month or two, which is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's helpful, but it's not like that part of real-time, accurate information. We we'll probably still have a while to go before that's that's in place.
0: Interesting. So, what do you what do you think is like next in the world of AI? Sometimes it's like hard to imagine what could come next. When we're uh, there's so many people that are still trying to wrap their head around this and how to use it.
1: Yeah, so I think we, we touched on the part that there's like there's going to be a human learning curve uh, where people understand and we we just it shakes out what it's good for, what it's not good for. Um, I think we saw this with a lot of technological revolutions. You know, just because you can sell you know pet supplies on the internet doesn't make that a you know multi million dollar business. Just because you could put something on the blockchain doesn't mean that's a great use of the blockchain. And just because something could be done with AI doesn't mean it should be done with AI. And I think we're going to start to see a lot of shaking out of startups that just built something on top of an out-of-the-box model and said, look, we're AI for real estate descriptions. And it's like, "Eh, maybe that's not a company. you know. So I think that's that's going to happen. Um, I think that we're going to see – a lot more focus on AI transparency, where people start to see, you start to become aware of where it's being used and where it's not with AI content detection. Um, It's a question right now of how well the models will, you know, how how much they want to continue to develop new models that are better. Um, A lot of, you know, high profile CEOs and tech thought leaders are saying, slow down, the world isn't ready for this. And I think, frankly, if you point, like, you point to how people are using it now, there's a case to be made that people don't get it, we don't know what we're doing yet, and we've kind of unleashed something out there that folks just, you know, like, mm-hmm. it may be moving too quickly and so like pump the brakes a little bit, maybe we have the level of models we need and let, let's slow down. So there may or may not be much more sophisticated models, let's see definitely internet connectivity, connecting to real-time information, that's Mm going to happen. Connecting AI to more sources of data. You know, uh, ChatGPT launched integrations with, I think it was like uh, Expedia or um, some travel site. So like it can start to, by connecting this technology to other technologies, that'll start to empower workflows, like find me a great flight from New York to California on this date, and it'll start to be able to, process more complicated things. So it will certainly become more more integrated into the stuff we're doing each day. And a lot of that will offer value. Um, and we're, we're just gonna kind of have to see what's useful and what's not. The thing I'll, I'll mention, one of the big conversations that we're seeing and following is is the concept of bias in AI. And I think that's mm-hmm. gonna be one of the, the new frontiers To tackle is like eliminating bias, eliminating hallucinations and tackling bad content coming out of AI um, Mm -hmm. because that's needed. So there's a concept um, called uh, human reinforced learning. There's an abbreviation for it, but it's basically having humans in the loop to... If the model spits out something and then a human goes back and says, no, no, that's not good. And it kind of recoaches it. And so Google Ooh. is openly talking about how they have a, a small army of experts who are just playing with their AI all the time and training it how to answer certain questions and sometimes on very sensitive subjects as well. Um, to give an example of how important this is, uh, there's – there's gender bias that's showing up all over the place. Um, there's evidence of racial bias in some cases. I gave as a test like a couple weeks ago, um, I wanted to test this. I asked chat GPT the, the latest version of it. I asked it, write me a poem about uh, a fictional engineer and make up a job description, make up uh, make up a, a name, etc. And I did the same thing for an administrative assistant. Um, and same prompt, different job titles. The engineer was a male. It talked about how smart he was. It talked about his work and his outputs and how he did a great job at his work. And then the administrative assistant, it gave it a female name. It was a lady. It described her fiery hair and her glasses, how her smile lit up the room. It made up a stressful home life for her. Like her home life was kind of chaotic and her kids. and it's like, We're at a point where, as as humans, we understand that, like... One, don't assume the engineer is male. The female is the administrative assistant. And two, yeah, like, why are you talking about the lady's home life and not the engineer's and, like...
0: And also her appearance. And her appearance. appearance? And her fiery smile and all this, like, hello, 1950s called. They want their job description back.
1: Yeah. So that's that's in need of improvement. And so that's, like, that's real. That's happening now. And the thing that people should be aware of, and I think this to me is what scares me the most, is that you have one person with a, say, problematic opinion. Um, That person's impact only extends as far as their reach. You know, and some people with problematic opinions have very broad reaches, and fine, that's a separate discussion. But AI, we're talking about these are the models that a small bias will touch the lives of a billion people. For sure, mm-hmm. both in people directly using it or in the millions of companies that are going to be run on this knowledge, on this education, and people won't even have a chance to know. Because as we said, like AI is going to be integrated in every platform in the next, you know, couple of years. And so if you're running your platform on a model that has bias, let's say you're in the HR industry, and you're using ChatGPT in the wrong workflows, that bias is passed on to your platform, and that bias is passed on to your tens of thousands of users. And those users don't even know that that connects back to the underlying model, because right now there's no transparency. So hopefully part of this will be a call for transparency, will be a call for it's okay here, it's not okay there. Like, I don't mm. want the government using AI to write our laws like that. You know, there are certain things that just on a gut level, we can probably say, like, this is this feels right, not this okay. doesn't. Yeah. And we're going to just start to see a shaking out of, of uh, what's appropriate and what's not. But I think transparency and some limitation totally makes sense. And for, in the God, PR industry, yeah, we gotta like we gotta think about this stuff. Like, I would, no content should go out of a PR firm without reviewing, human review. If you put your name to it, that means it's your work. You're thinking about it. You've approved it. Like, you know, the we we are the arbiters of what is good and correct to put out in our clients' behalf, and we should take that responsibility seriously. Sorry if that's a bit of a <laughs> monologue on this stuff, but it's this is you know, this is happening
0: so freaking interesting and honestly like i would have never thought about that with like writing laws or the legal stuff i mean like again i don't live in that space and i try to try not to live in that space i try to avoid all things politics um fair enough yeah yeah Uh, especially in our industry hopefully i'm never running into politics or political questions but yeah that's so so interesting that like, it, yeah, I, I would have never even thought of it that way. And like that the bias exists. I mean, it's got to pull this information from somewhere. So even yeah. robots are biased.
1: Yeah. And it's, I mean, part of it is most of these models are, are trained on our data. So, you know, there were talks of earlier versions of these models, um, you know, after enough iterations started to go a little bit crazy because they, you know, they saw human interactions and well, eventually somebody starts, you know, yelling and ranting and going off the rails, you know? So it's, it, it is learned from us, some of our own worst behaviors and is parroting that back to us, but hopefully through, yeah, human reinforced learning, you're gonna, you know, we'll start to coach it towards a, a better direction.
0: Well, I need Apple to get on board because autocorrect is still getting duck wrong in all of my text messages. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty much never typing the word duck. Okay. (laughs) Come on, Apple. Like if there's AI out there, like how is autocorrect not learning this about me?
1: (laughs) Uh, There's a a learning curve. And I think that, yeah, it, it will continue to get better in a lot of use cases. Again, I think that there is still very much so an opportunity to be an early adopter um, I think that we it's every company is different in, in PR and communications you know we each know our workflows there's some things that you can use to you can use this to streamline certain things but like don't delegate research hold yourself accountable for reviewing and making sure that things are correct and uh, you know ultimately we can we can serve our clients better by by using tech that can help us deliver better products. I, I think that that is a good opportunity.
0: Very cool. Okay. So I know obviously like you live in this space, um, and that's why you're so knowledgeable about it. So I want to hear about intelligent relations. Like I, I want to know more about what it is. Like, this is something you've built, right?
1: Yeah. Um, started, you know, beginning of the pandemic basically locked myself in a room for 12 to 14 hours a day for a year just sketching out what would be workflows that would make sense in a combination of google sheets and api calls and you know one or two engineers just to start sketching out what would be the workflows that that made sense and um at one point we we drafted a an email that i you know proofread and made sure map to our clients understanding and we got a positive reply from a journalist at the Washington Post saying, Yeah, that sounds great. Like let's let's set up an interview. And this was a, a pitch that was inspired by recent news and relevant to the client and met our standards. And I was like, okay, I think we got something here. So you you flash forward a couple of years and the tool is is built uh, there, there's two parts to what we do. There's the human side. So we have a full team of 35-ish uh, you know, public relations pros, everything from you know, analysts and associates and managers and principals who are in charge of setting strategy and uh, helping to manage client relationships and all that. And then we have uh, another couple dozen on the tech and reporting and data analytics side um, who built our technology. So the technology is is a platform that has a media database. Uh, it has matching technology to help uh, do pitch matching to journalists better. Uh, it has the ability uh, to track follow-ups and learn who's working well for you know what what journalists are a good match, what journalists aren't a good match, and so it can do intelligent matching. And it's really designed to be a, a good tool for uh, an in-house uh, communications pro, uh, or in theory someone in in the marketing department who like, was dumped, like, you know, go get us some press coverage, and they, they need some hand-holding, um, you know, not a PR pro, but, like, you know, they, they get they get messaging, they get general communication stuff, so it's a good tool for someone who just needs to, you know, do uh, pitch uh, pitching to relevant journalists, and it's also a decent tool for, you know, for small agencies um, mm-hmm. who are looking to, you know, get one, one small account per client, uh, and it can help with, yeah, help with the, with the pitch writing, the pitch drafting recommendations, and it makes it easier to set up, manage, track campaigns, and do reporting. Um, we're not really aiming for like you know full enterprise market like larger firms may do better to assemble their own suite of of tools, but it's a, it's a it's a light offering that can help to accelerate flows for uh,
0: for small teams and sole practitioners. Okay, so what would you consider a small team?
1: Uh, five ten clients.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Very interesting. So it's kind of like, is it like um, a monthly subscription type service?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you get a an account for, uh, you get one account per client. Um, plans are, you know, 195, 95-ish bucks a month to set up an account. And part of that, we, we talked about some of the pain points where AI doesn't know your company, it doesn't know your messaging. Mm-hmm. Basically, each account sets up a custom Set of AI generators for that client, so it learns uh, about a client. You know, it knows their spokesperson, it knows their industry, it knows their language. It can map to the the messaging that they like, and it starts to build you know custom journalist lists for an individual mm-hmm. client. So that's uh, that that's how it works, and you can have and we as a team. So for folks, so on our client side. Uh, we have a couple dozen clients who are, you know, uh, managed service where we basically we have one of our teammates and they're using our technology and we're, you know, we're managing the engagement like that. So they get, you know, generally lower cost, uh, light PR services um, that leverage our tech as well. So that's kind of how we, you know, we offer it to uh, mainstream market.
0: Wow. Very, very cool. So would this be like a replacement for like a, I don't want to use the word, I don't want to use scission, but so many people know scission, something like a scission, a muck rack. This is almost like an alternative option because scission is freaking so expensive. Even for like, you know, I don't do some, I don't do scission. I'm not paying 25 K a year. Like uh, there's other options out there, but it, would this be like something, uh, almost like a light version of scission?
1: It, there's there's a light database of journalists built in with deep analysis of those folks um i you know scission uh, and muckrack and meltwater and those folks they have a lot of other technology that for enterprise like enterprise level in-house teams and bigger agencies they can certainly get a lot of value out of uh, that subscription that's kind of spread out across their entire client base so certainly want to you know wouldn't want to uh Badmouth them and what they do, uh, but that's that's kind of what we're saying for a smaller team, an in-house right. team who maybe doesn't need all that uh, power behind them and doesn't want to do the annual commitment. It's a good fit for that, you know, that segment of the market.
0: Very cool. And you said it has media media monitoring as well, like tracking. Yeah light, yeah, light
1: media monitoring for company mentions, and we track the interactions and competitor mentions and report on that as well.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. Well, very cool. Yeah. So, um, okay. Tell us if people want to find out more info about you or connect with you, or if they want to hear more about intelligent relations, um, tell us how to find you.
1: Yeah. So, uh, IntelligentRelations.com. uh, you can connect with us there. You can sign up for a free 14 day trial, uh, or book a demo. Happy to, to walk you through. Uh, I spend most of my time just deep in the weeds with the product and engineering team, um, so I'm not the most active on on social media channels. But uh, you know, book a demo and I might uh, I might show up on it. I'm so pretty hands-on.
0: <laughs> Very cool. God, well, Steve, this has been so great. I'm so glad you came on the show today and so informative. I I almost feel like we're gonna have to film a part two probably in the next like six months or something because by then everything will have changed. I think you're right. It'd be a pleasure to reconnect. Yeah. Very cool. All right, Steve. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, guys. You guys reach out, learn more about intelligent relations or connect with Steve on social. We'll drop everything in the show notes for you. Steve, you're awesome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, please take a moment to screenshot this episode and share it to social media using hashtag TrueStoryPR or better yet, write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. See you next time for another True Story.